Welcome to another episode of The Sounds of the Rising. I was thinking in the car on the way home this afternoon. Last week, you heard from Gus, my friend Gus, who turned 50 this year. And you heard all the wisdom from her that she has gained through her life. This week, you're hearing from my cousin in America. She lives in California. uh, And she is 22 years old. I was 17 when she was born. And uh, Gus was um, 27 when she was born. So I, I think it's really interesting, you know, Gus was in a similar phase of of her life. Um, I guess Sarah kind of sits in between where Gus and I were when Sarah was born right now. She's currently sitting in between where we, where we were in our lives when she was born. But Gus is in a, a fairly similar phase of her life that Sarah is in now when Sarah was born. And I just think that's such a beautiful, a beautiful thing because... There is so much wisdom to be had from all women during the different phases of their life, especially, especially when they are really, you know, tuned in to themselves and connecting into their bodies and their minds and their desires and their truth. And I think you will hear in the podcast today that even at 22 years old how connected to her truth Sarah is and how much work she has already done on building um, a great deep consciousness and awareness and and a a very uh, purposeful way of of living her life she has always been a person a girl a woman that I have always admired and been in awe of in terms of her 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 ability to question her desire to question and to make up her own mind based on what feels good in her body and I'm really really excited to bring this podcast to you today and have this perspective from from this young woman who I love very much so I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed speaking to her when I started this podcast just a few weeks ago now um, you know, the, the the real purpose behind it was to bring women into this space who are out there and just truly living their purpose and, you know, really fighting for and advocating the freedom that comes with that. And I, I really want that to be an inspiration for every woman that they can do the same. And you know, I have to, there, there are, there are, there are young women doing it. There absolutely are. And you'll know a lot more than me, Sarah, but 
I do I do feel certainly historically, and I think this is going to change, but this is something that a lot of women come into when they hit motherhood. It's like they they've gone down that kind of conventional path and they, you know, they certainly of my generation, and then they kind of realize, oh wow, this is not what I want to be doing in my life. And they start to look for new ways to exist and start to discover who they are. And in you, I've been able to experience for your whole life. <laughs> so I think I was 16 when you were born. Well, um, maybe slightly younger. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. But just how you've just always been so strong in yourself and had real conviction as who you are. And, and now you're really you know, forging that path for yourself and creating a life that is, you know, really, really true to who you are. And, and yeah, may, you know, maybe you'll say that it, it is something more of your generation, but from my perspective, it's something that I feel is very unique in you and very, very special. And I really admire. So welcome to The Sounds of the Rising, my cousin, <laughs> Sarah German. Welcome. <laughs> so nice to, to speak to you um, for this. And I'm really proud of you for doing this. It's amazing and yeah. for serving women worldwide. Yeah, I just, yeah, I felt really, really cool to it. And I just felt so inspired to have you on as an early guest because you, you are, you are inspiring to me. You really are. And I can see that you will be inspiring to many women. So <laughs> perhaps compared to some women who I will interview your story may feel easier to tell because there's less years within it <laughs> yeah <laughs> can you can you share with us you know in whatever way you want to how you have become the woman that you are today sure well I'm 22 right now for reference uh, which is funny, I know. And I feel <laughs> older, but I am very aware that I have many more years to go until I can consider myself, I guess, a full grown adult or someone that really gets the rules of the game of Earth. So um, always growing. Uh, but as you know, I mean, I had a, a very tumultuous childhood and upbringing. Uh, my mom and dad cared so much for me. And I'm so lucky to say that my parents loved me, loved me so much. Um, but they both had their quarrels with each other. And that really took the forefront of, I would say, till I was 18, I was really uh, buffering the, the friction between these two people that are uh, adoring beautiful people with their own flaws as anybody else. So that I think set me up to learn many lessons as a young child, um, which I don't regret at all or wouldn't change a thing because I feel like it's given me a strong foundation for, can I curse on here? Cutting through the crap. Um, <laughs> well, you know, cutting through the, um, I guess the conventional lifestyle. And as I I just said and how you had said there's a lot less years that I've had to learn experience but I don't feel like I've ever had 
a point in my life where I thought, you know, maybe I'll go um, be an accountant or nothing wrong with that. We, we need that kind of skill. And frankly, I'm just not good with anything <laughs> with math. <laughs> so I went the, uh, I went the art route. I, I do photography now, um, photograph women primarily, uh, but I do my own commercial work as well as fine art. So I'm glad that whatever happened happened so that I can really tune into what's best for me. And, um, you know, I think me serving myself is the best way for me to uh, be of service. And that's, it sounds selfish and I guess it is, and I'm okay with that because I can't really, you know, if you're not a full puzzle, how are you going to distribute other puzzle pieces to other people that may need it here and there or lend them out um, or give them away? How are you going to do that if you don't have enough to make your own full piece? So, or your cup runneth over kind of situation too. Uh, so I hope that answers your question. Well, yeah. I mean, how do you feel like your experiences as a child, what, what, you know, we, it's interesting because other people could have had the experiences that you had and right until an old age can carry those stories carry those wounds with them and and use them as a as an excuse to hold them back mm-hmm. how do you feel like what, what what was different in you what was different in your experience in your mindset in your you know personal beliefs that led for you to actually you know shift from blame and victim mode to to actually, you know, okay, I'm taking those experiences and this is what I want to create for myself as a result? It's a good question. I don't know if I can point to one thing in particular. Everybody has their own reasons for uh, pathologically being. (laughs) Um, I think there was a point that I was so stressed out and I had a little sit down chat with myself and I said, Sarah, you can literally or metaphorically die like this or you can get better you know you can make it better for yourself in what ways you can and I don't know if you know um, about this but I had a kind of eating disorder as a you know young teens as many many people do and it was that never um, extremely harmful but it was definitely mentally harmful and challenging to keep up with and it was Passover one year the Jewish holiday and it's the holiday of uh breaking free from slavery. And I just thought to myself, well, I'm enslaving myself with all these stories um, and ways that I'm telling myself I'm not not deserving of of feeding myself or taking care of myself or I'm not deserving of being looked at. And that's frankly stupid because I'm going to die like this, unhappy. I might hurt my body and it's not worth it. So it it was kind of one of those epiphany pivotal moments for me. And I was maybe 13 or 14 and maybe that's how much stress I was under just from, you know, being alive as a 14 year old, it's hard for anybody, even if you've got everything, I think it's a weird time. Mm -hmm. And my parents were so stressed out. They were doing their best, but they were uh, very volatile uh, with me kind of mixed in the middle. And I had a lot going on and I just didn't want to live like that anymore. And I'm not saying that I don't still use victimhood or excuses. I think that's just a part of being a human being until we can become aware. But the process of becoming aware um, 
started for me shortly after that. And I think that's the key is if you have to become aware of the, the thoughts you think every single day over and over again and make a choice. Because once, once you realize, have that kind of detached self-awareness, you can choose to keep moving in that way, whether it's good or bad, or you can choose to uh, evolve and shift and use it to catapult yourself. Um, and I think once you have to ask that question, it's more painful to stay in the same place than it is to have growing pains. So I'm in a constant process of that. I don't think it's ever going to end, but that's what I can say about that. Again, I don't know if that answered uh, your question. Definitely answered my question. And I want to speak more about perhaps how that's influenced your work. Like I would imagine it has based on what I see. But um, I, I want to go back to this because I think I think it's a really interesting uh, interesting fact that you had that realization at such a young age, and I think it actually speaks to your generation. And I would be interested to hear more on your thoughts of of, of that because I, I've I don't know if you've. Um, read the book by um, Peter Kelly, Peter Kelly called Earth is Hiring. I think I may have told you about it, but she speaks about millennials. Now, you're a millennial, aren't you? I believe I'm Gen Z, but I never have clarified. So possibly Cusp. Um, Caleb is Gen Z. He's very proud of that. Um, <laughs> I am, a, I'm a millennial. I'm on the cusp. 1981 was the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> but really, I am really on the cusp there. So, um, but she speaks about millennials and, you know, the, the kind of Gen Z generations um, and how certainly as the, the generations are evolving and we're getting, we're now in generation A, which is Savannah, crazy. But um, these babies these children are being born into this world with a greater awareness a greater consciousness and you know I certainly feel it feel the difference between my generation and my parents generation but there is a whole different level of consciousness and awareness when it comes to your generation and beyond you know I see it in my children they're, they're, they have a knowledge and a wisdom within them and Peter Kelly it's a woman not a not a not a man he's a she's a woman an Australian woman she speaks about it as you know that that this evolution of consciousness and uh deep awareness has had to come in order to you know create the change on the planet that is so needed and I just you know I guess when you say like you had that level of awareness to create that shift in mindset at such a young age I mean 13 14 yeah, I also had an eating disorder. Mine began at that age. It didn't end at that age. <laughs> and it, you know, it went on for until, you know, I, I had my first child. As I say, that shift came for me in motherhood, not at such a young age as it has for you. So what what do you think it is within your generation? Or, or can you speak to that what you see as different in your generation around this? I think there is um, some kind of a difference or just some kind of uh, more immediate calling to slow down and be a little bit more connected in a sense. Uh, 
I mean, I see, I have some friends that have kids that are closer to your age than mine, but um, their kids are just very aware for being toddlers and um, their interests in certain things are, are peculiar compared to generations past. I do think that something has to do with it, which is that we did have a Vietnam War, we had the Korean War, we haven't had a ton of um, trauma on our land since World War II. And that has a huge effect on generational behavior. Uh, like our, you know, we're blood related. Our family did go through that in a way and that gets passed down. And I think they say three generations in is when people can break that cycle. Uh, maybe that's occurring that people are breaking cycles and we're able to attune more to a regulated nervous system or um, a mind that craves sunshine and and herbs and, you know, using the tools that we were given as beings on this planet. So uh, I, again, I'm not entirely sure, but I am noticing it too as well. And I, I also know uh, some psych couple of psychologists and people that work with younger kids and their teens right now and how they've been saying something weird is happening because multiple uh, clients of mine are experiencing these meditative moments and kind of questioning their realities in a, in a way that other people don't at that age so not sure Rochelle <laughs> I think it's interesting though um it's getting off topic here a little bit but I I again interested in your insights on this of being of this generation in the world that we live in today I'm actually that there seems to be a real kind of split there is because you know and I would have possibly considered myself a liberal before <laughs> Yeah. And, um, what I'm seeing is that, especially with the young generation, there is this real need to virtue signal, right? And the whole YouTube generation and um, TikTok, called it TokTik the other day. That shows how old I am. <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> All of this, like it's TikTok. Uh, yeah, a TikTok. Yeah, it's um, you know, there's there's there is a divide in amongst your generation, even isn't there? That that, that there is they it's there's a there's a there's a certain number for a large number that have been so brainwashed by the technology and in, in, in gaming and YouTube and and then there's this other side which is this hyper conscious aware, you know. And it, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think about this a lot now, how there is, there is this kind of inbuilt desire for in, individualization, being an individual standing for who you are taking. We hear all this banded around, you mentioned it as well, but you mentioned it from a genuine place, like self-care. But actually, when it comes down to it, you know they air marks air quotes have done a really good job of numbing a lot of it because yeah. that doesn't actually fit with where they want society to go mm -hmm. yeah and I do think there are a lot of people too regardless of age uh, that intentionally numb themselves because it is easier to remain in the the matrix or vortex of technology now than it is to really 
um, go into the dark parts of our psyches and, and discover the reasons behind it. And I think that itself causes the most pain is realizing that you had the choice and you continue to ignore it. So we keep going deeper into uh, substance use or technology use or anything, adrenaline junkies. Um, there's a lot of people that would rather stay put. And that's if that's that's your path, that's fine because it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I, I love you. I want you to grow. And if you don't want to grow, then I'm going to just keep growing, you know? And if, if we need to part ways, if we're friends, then that's fine because love doesn't change. And, you know, if I'm going to grow, then I'm going to grow. Mm. And grow you have. So, <laughs> talk, to, talk to us about, because, yeah, I mean, I remember, I think, did my dad buy you your first camera? He might have contributed to it. I think it was a team effort of my mom and my dad and myself. Um, and maybe your dad. I was 13 and it was about yeah. probably $350, but that was just so much money for me at the time. Okay. So again, a very young age, same age. It was a pivotal age for you, clearly you knew that photography was your passion it's where you wanted to go and you actually took every opportunity that you could to learn and to study photography and and learn editing and yeah I remember watching everything that you were doing and then of course you've now gone on you're studying at, at college and we call it college we call it university college yeah and um you have gone down a very, very particular path, which of course people can go and check out on your Instagram. I'll link it all up. But what took you to this place? What inspires you behind your work? Talk to us about your work. Well, I was at uh, the pump house, our uncle's uh, little cottage out in the countryside. Hold on, uh, wait, I need to explain what the pump house is. Okay. It's a cottage. That could sound like possibly a bit rude in the UK. Oh, I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> Does that mean anything here? No, no. Oh, it might not mean anything anywhere else, but it might as well because pumping could be a rude word. So okay. the pump house, our grandpa... So I'm related to Sarah because um, Sarah's mother and my father are brother and sister. So our grandfather um, owned a house and he also owned a small house that was on like a little, just down the road from his house that was on a, a, a stream where they would pump water from the stream. Was there a windmill? Was there a, not a windmill, was there a water mill? It was a water mill. Yeah, there was a water mill, not a windmill. Electricity, yes. Yeah. So it's called the pump house. Okay. So you were at the pump house. Hilarious. I think there's a little sign on the house that says it. So yeah, it's, it's called the pump ball, house. But, exactly okay. called the pump house. Yeah, you were right, but like no one else would be like, <laughs> so pump house. Um, well, I was about 10 years old there with my mom, and she had this little digital camera, little point and shoot, we'd call it, before cameras got really good right before that. And she was just that obnoxious mom that would not say, stop taking photos of you as a kid. And you're like, mom, stop. But I 
I would play around with her camera and I took a, I remember this, I was probably eight or 10 years old. And I took a picture of a flower. I'm like, oh, that was fun. That was interesting. And um, since then the ball has just kept rolling. I was in the eighth grade. I don't know what you guys call it. I was um, 13 and people were starting to look for high school. Again, I don't know what you call it. So sorry um, to go into the next level of schooling. And someone had told me about a school called Dreyfus School of the Arts. Never heard of it, uh, but it's a publicly funded school. So federally funded and it's by audition and all the other arts programs are fundraised. Uh, and I ended up looking into it. I auditioned for actually theater and photography and I got it for photo, thank God, because that was not my path. <laughs> and that, I attribute my passion so much to that school because I know a lot of high school experiences for people are really rough and uh, have a lot of bullying and terrible teachers, but that school was smaller and it was just a place to explore all types of creativity. Every kid was there because they were passionate about some sort of creativity. Everyone was encouraging of each other. Um, and I, I sucked for a long time, obviously. And I still have a long way to go, but I just had so much fun doing it. I would stay up till 1 a.m. on my computer learning Photoshop. And um, that's the key, I guess, is to just really have so much fun doing something. And even if it gets a little banal, it's still like there's a grander purpose for it. Um, I, I'm just, I'm not tired of it yet. <laughs> if I ever do, I'll change course, but right now I'm just still so excited and I've never had a moment of, yeah, I don't really want to do this anymore. So that's a good sign for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, if I, you know, if every woman could say this bores me or this, you know, this doesn't excite me or this doesn't feel good in my body, then you know the world would look very different I I say to Savannah and Caleb all the time you know they'll ask me should I do this should I do that I'm like does it feel good in your body like and if it doesn't the answer is no don't do it like whatever that is whether it's to say I love you to your grandma or whatever it is you know um draw that picture whatever so you found a passion in photography but you, you're very, I mean, your Instagram feed shows something very specific. Mm -hmm. So how would you describe your work? So I'm still learning and uh, applying new concepts and techniques constantly, and that'll never change. But uh, how I would narratively describe it without seeing it visually is I, for my fine art, I photograph um, often nude or implied nude women in natural environments. So you could call that environmental portraiture. And the purpose for that for me is to really strip down identity and stories we tell ourselves, and just look at the real beauty of uh, the female body and our planet. I think those two combinations is just the most beautiful, beautiful visual thing or, or um, experiential thing we can have and I love doing it and and I think a lot of what I shoot is a reflection of my interest too I love being nude in nature like my favorite feeling in the world is just swimming naked it's just there's not there's no comparison um and I started doing that before I was 18 just being in 
spots that were clothing optional and just it, it, it's not sexual um there's it's normally not predatory and as i've gotten a little bit older i've just found uh, communities or locations that allow that and have just been able to uh, be a, a human without worrying how i look or how fat i am or not or how uh, secu secure and secure because when everyone's nude and swimming it doesn't really matter and all types of bodies are there so that's something that I think is is just lovely to work with and show <laughs> excuse me not a good time to be sneezing Sarah <laughs> in this world I'll let my nostrils know <laughs> um yeah I mean that really comes across and I you know, as a, as a woman myself who has a very disordered relationship with my body that I have managed to overcome in the sense of, you know, I'll no longer punish myself by starving myself or, you know, binge eating and then throwing up. <laughs> like I'll no longer do those things and I will never do those things. I'm over my eating disorder from that aspect. Mm -hmm. But I do, and I I believe possibly will always continue to have the feelings of other people are judging my body. Yeah. And it does limit me sometimes in what I do. It does, sadly. Yeah. What I wear, yeah. you know? And so it's it's really, you know, when I see you living like that and being that way I feel a deep admiration and I also I have the question like was it a process for you to be able yeah it was so talk talk about that yeah it's always a process I think maybe another uh, pivotal or epiphany moment I had is you know people probably are judging me and they also don't care and they're going to forget about it two seconds later. And they're also self-conscious about themselves and me judging them. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that fear of just deep self-loathing really is what I think a part of it is that I don't know where that comes from particularly. Maybe it comes from our mothers, you know, the way children look at their mothers or society or I don't know. But um, I think it's for me, it has been, I should say, important to let those two ideas coexist. That one, yeah, people are rude and people probably will see me X, Y, and Z. And two, it doesn't really benefit me to focus on that. So I can go be naked with a bunch of gorgeous models at a hot spring I'm shooting at that are just 5'9 and stunning and I'm not quite that body type. And I'm not the same and I am self-conscious and it's not the most important thing. So I can still feel it and move forward with it. Um, I don't have to excrete it from my field of thought. And I think that's like a split psyche that so much of us have, or, or this phrase toxic positivity is going around now. Like you can't be sad. You can't be self-conscious. You have to be so happy. You don't have to, but you also don't need to wallow in self-loathing. Um, you can fuse the two and coexist together in that way. And maybe that has to do with parts of our brain working together. I don't understand the neurology of that. Not that that is applicable here. Um, well, and, and it's very, it's very, very insightful, and really interesting. Um, not something I've ever 
thought about you know you kind of have these thoughts that you have to be able to banish those thoughts completely in order to be able to do those things although I, I have had that thought yeah can't say everybody you know I don't know how you might think or someone else but it's definitely been a process I mean when I had that moment of you know I'm going to try eating a little bit more at Passover it's like a big feast everybody celebrates and eats together and I for so many years was not allowing myself to partake in that and I would get comments from friends like you are so skinny um and it was a process of, you know, I would tell my parents I would go eat breakfast at school, they have like school lunch, and then I just wouldn't, or I would get it because you have to do it in a certain way in school, in public school, and then I just give it to friends and people would notice. And I just would, I had to decide to not do that anymore. And I would just go at a pace that I was able to manage. Um, I would just eat a little bit more or just, you know, not exercise all the time constantly um I think I did hurt my body doing all these things I got ulcers and I was hospitalized multiple times for my digestion being totally off and that's a whole other topic and I had knee problems I think from just working out so hard as a young kid or you had the same thing too right with the with the knee thing so yeah um, that is hereditary too I did but describing my experiences (laughs) (laughs) yeah which you know it comes back to that generational healing thing you know we're in the process and you know savannah by all the strength within me will not have those experiences like i never talk about my body in a negative way around her and she loves me and she you know i walk around naked in front of the children and you know they they have no ever thoughts that i have these feelings about my body still occasionally and i know that will be the same when when you go on to have children I I wondered um, as you were speaking when you when you go through that process when you're out outside and you're with other people and you feel that you know possible negative thoughts coming in but you go with it anyway. Tell me, tell us about the experience of of how possibly that melts away once you're amongst Mother Earth. Like tell tell me about your relationship with her and and how you know how that feeds into how you feel about yourself, but also it feeds into how you live your life. And sure, well, I can I I, I want to answer that in two parts, and the first being that um, just because we think or feel something doesn't mean it's correct. In fact, it more likely may not be and it may not be rational um so there is a balance of learning to listen to our thoughts in our bodies and also uh knowing when it's the devil on your shoulder whispering in your ear so to speak it's not always necessary to listen to every single thing our minds talk about because it's not always (laughs) rational like dreams like in the moment it makes perfect sense and we wake up and we're like what the hell is that I think thoughts can be that way. Um, But in terms of being in earth, uh, I think my favorite feeling other than swimming uh, is feeling small. Like when you go into a forest with massive trees and rocks and mountains and you're just a tiny little blip, that reminds me so much how insignificant my little problems are and my little woes and 
you know, how ridiculous it is to look at my body and wish it was different. I mean, we have so many incredible types of trees and animals that I think about this all the time. I'll look at a squirrel and think how cute it is and think, you know, I bet it's never once wish it was anything different. It's just, it's just communing uh, with, the, with all the cycles that exist. And, that, you know, I want to be more like that and less um, stuck in a rut of something that's useless to me. Um, and striving for health and striving to be beautiful is not a bad thing. I think that's, that's good to want to be beautiful or attractive or, you know, that's, that's good. But when it comes to a point of punishment or, um, deprivation or restriction, then it's just kind of useless. Objectively, it's not going to help anyone or you in any kind of way to think like that. So that's something that I learned from nature all the time. Like you don't have to do anything differently. At the end of the day, when you sit and you just take breaths and meditate, that's life right there. Mm. That's like the horror of life is that it's it just exists and you are just existing mm. without with or without you, it'll go on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had the same experience today. I was looking, I was outside and I saw a, a swift or a swallow. They're similar looking birds. Mm. And I was actually thinking of it in, in relation to uh, an announcement that happened today in the UK around um, some new kind of restrictions that are going to happen. And I saw it flying around and I just thought, you know, you don't let these things affect you. They don't, you know, you're just out there, you're living your life, you're doing all the things that you need to do to survive and feeling that freedom in your body and you know, we are all capable of that if we strip it back. We are all capable of that if we strip it back. And, you know, I really, I feel so passionately about that, about teaching women that if we strip it back to what we need to survive and we need to be sovereign beings, then freedom is ours no matter what anyone says we can and can't do. Mm-hmm. And that is really the experience of of observing and being in nature that can remind us of that so um when when you're who are the kind of women that come to you as clients a lot of them are creatives which is amazing um amazing people a lot of it is word of mouth and so I suppose as we all exist in our own echo chambers of Uh, of friendships that maybe similar people are gravitating because of that. But um, like I had someone today who's a singer that needs uh, media images for her music release. Um, All these people have creative ideas and a lot of the time people just want to exist in nature. I had a a client in Florida recently where I'm from originally. Um, It was a good friend of mine's mother and she had bought a lot of land that she is soon going to um, build a home on, I guess. And it's just beautiful. It's just, it's so beautiful. I can't even describe it. It's just tall trees covered in ivy. And she really wanted to get herself captured in this uh, environment before it all gets torn down. And this woman's 60 and she's hot as hell and is amazing and and doesn't let age um, create a barrier. I think there is some kind of idea and I haven't gotten here yet in my age, but that, you know, as you age, it's normal to get diseases and, and to break bones and to get fat. And, and it's not, I don't think it's normal. It might be common because we're not working on our musculature 
um, into our age, but uh, that's off topic. <laughs> a lot of the people that I shoot, I do shoot men and I also do shoot commercially. So, but I tend to uh, strive to shoot commercial ad work for brands that are holistic in some way, meaning if it's skincare, it, it um, the brand has a focus on natural ingredients or helping animal tested or something like that. Or if it's a clothing brand, it might be recycled uh, clothing. So things of that nature that are kind of mindful, I should say, or holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so when, when these people come to you and they, they're, they're, they're of a particular mindset, they appreciate the human body and the human body's uh, interconnection with nature ultimately because that's why they've come to you what is what is the outcome for them of the shoot with you like what does it result in for them do you feel I should add in there to my last uh reply to you that sometimes people really want to challenge themselves um, to get over their fear of feeling exposed Um, which I think is very normal to have, especially, you know, nobody walks around without clothes. So it's, it's different. Um, And people want that. Uh, And a lot of the time, the outcome is people are so surprised at how regular and comfortable they can be to just be and without stress or judgment around it. And that's as, as a photographer that shoots people, in any kind of way, part of the skill set and the job is to communicate with the subject or the client uh, in a way that leaves people feeling very comfortable and very confident in your ability to capture what they need or how they want to feel. So a part of my job is making sure people are extremely accepted and comfortable with me because I truly don't care if someone is super skinny or or overweight it doesn't matter to me if we're here to shoot that's what we're we're here to do you're a human no matter what Um, but it is very rewarding to be able to create experiences with people and and for them uh, so that they can kind of relish in how good it is that they're you know they are they have the opportunity to be confident and they can you know, walk off of the shoot and look at these photos, however many days later, um, and remember that feeling of, of what they did for themselves. And maybe they can start carrying that into their lives more that they don't have to be, um, shameful in any kind of way. And that's, I think a big part of my work is, is letting go of shame, I think, which is something, you know, I'm always working toward all the things that I shoot is kind of just a reflection of what I'm working on in myself. And a lot of photographers would say that, like Richard Avedon, super famous fashion photographer in the 60s, he's an icon. He just said, everything, everyone I shoot is me. Mm. It's so simple. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And they're going to feel that through you when you're shooting them, you know, that you're connected to them in that way. So I know I can ask you this question um, because I know you'll get it, but not every woman will. So I'm going to take advantage of this here with you. So, so many women in their work life and in their life have through society's kind of requirements of them very much fallen into their masculine energies. Mm. And we, we really need that in order to be able to achieve. It's very, it's a big part of of uh, our, you know, of, of who women are, and it's not something to 
to push away. But ultimately, I believe many women are not living in their true creative beings in their true purpose because they are not connected to in any way their feminine. And it also then impacts on their relationships because you've basically got an imbalance in your relationship and, you know, do speak to that too with your relationship with Josh, if you want to, because I think it's a really important conversation to have. Um, so yeah, share with us like in your life, in your work, like the balance for you between the feminine and the masculine energies within you and how as a young woman, you see that playing out. It's very funny you bring that up because it's a, a hot topic for me in my personal life and in this you know point in time that I'm really really taking the time and feeling into my body as we had mentioned before the call um, or during the call too <laughs> of of feeling into my body in terms of masculine and feminine and I'm working with an amazing therapist who he really studies eastern philosophy and his kind of main lens is masculine and feminine balance and that's how he wants to refer to things and that's helped me so much. And I've realized um, through that work with him and on my own and in my, in my art and my work and life, <laughs> it's all work is um, that I have compartmentalized my masculine ability. Um, and I'll explain that, that in my domestic relationships, I'm very feminine but with a lack of masculine and we need a little bit of both little, you know, sugar and spice. And, um, in my work, I can be very masculine. Um, so my task is to bring that together so that on all fronts of my life, it can be balanced and not one or the other. Um, I think I have learned to be extremely feminine in my energy, which there's nothing wrong with that, but when there's a lack of masculine, there's a lack of balance, there's a lack of structure, uh, there's a lack of focus or ability to follow through. And that's been, um, I think, expressed through kind of dyslexia that I'm realizing I had my whole life and never took into account why I'm so bad at math or why I mix numbers up. Um, that if you want to look at it through the lens of masculine and feminine, that would be a weak masculine. Um, or I'm very very, very sensitive to conflict or um, someone raising their voice, like my body immediately shuts down because that's what I did as a young child. And um, I'm learning now that if I can utilize my masculine energy, I don't have to be afraid. I can be more present. I can be less um, shy and diffuse. So I think it's important to honor the masculine in our, you know, as women um, and the feminine and really not to kind of overuse one or the other, but I would agree that there is, um, some kind of push in our culture right now for women to be ultra masculine and just forget the family and forget being creative and spontaneous and just work for a corporation that doesn't care about you. And it, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, there's so much to be valued in partnership. And I know I'm very young and I'm planning a wedding right now, which is wild. Um, but I've learned a lot from, from just being, you know, wanting to commit with a very masculine man. Josh is a very masculine person, which I love. And that's taught me to step it up in my own masculine and also to, um, allow like surrender in the feminine. So it's a constant work in progress for me, but it is a very, very 
interesting um, and growth-oriented topic that a lot of women, I think, would benefit from feeling into more, just becoming more aware of. It's very important. Absolutely. I mean, in in the work that I do with women, you know, initially my my goal is to help restore restore their health through nutrition and just really helping create clarity in their bodies through mm. clarity like you know literal clarity of of cleansing and of toxicity and bringing in you know nutrients that really serve to support the body to be well but then the second part of it is really about reawakening the feminine and you know your experience of feeling like you sit more in that energy is you know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. And perhaps, you know, we are in a time where we are pushed into one or the other through our experiences, more of one, more of the masculine, more of the feminine. If we've lived with a lot of trauma, perhaps we are pushed to more of the feminine and a bit more submissive. And, but it's, it's more of a, for one of a better term, like the kind of toxic, toxic femininity. It's, it's not, there's no strength in it like necessarily when you're just living in a in a truly like vulnerable place when actually as a fly waving around me when actually like when you're when you're sitting very strong in and in awareness of both your your divine or sacred feminine your sacred masculinity and being able to switch between the two there is power in both it's not it's not like a weakness versus a strength weakness being the feminine the strength being the masculine in fact there's a there's a great power in it and I really you know you being able to access that is really shows through your work really shows through your work and I I think it's interesting what you're saying about the focus and the organization because obviously that aspect helps build a successful business you need the other aspects to be able to feel for yourself that you are able and capable to bring something beautiful into the world. And it's that permission that most women don't give themselves because yep. they, because they're not in tune with their feminine and the beautiful creativity and, and the purposefulness that comes from being connected to that. And it impacts on our relationships massively in, yep. in in our personal life because we we're ultimately you know we need that yin and yang and we need to flip it's what where is josh with this is he working with you in terms of like if you're saying he's ultra masculine is he working to be able to access his feminine more yeah i think we've been um very we've been very good for each other in terms of discovering that balance within each of us individually um hasn't been a walk in the park at all times but josh also had a um very you know frankly abusive uh physically and verbally upbringing and that he went the other way than i did and was taught to become very masculine very uh abrupt and very uh, getting out in front of it versus what i learned is to cower and hide in the corner um and just do whatever you want with me i'm i'm scared so uh, you know, I think he's been able to learn a bit from me about really digesting emotions as they come and, and discovering what they really are uh, and not being reactive. Whereas I'm learning that 
I can stand up for myself a little bit and be a little bit more proactive about things. And um, it, it's been it's been good. I think we're both pretty uh, we're very much embodiments of, of feminine and masculine entity. It's kind of comical to me. We're kind of like the same person on that, you know, I mean, we even have the same birthday, so it's, it's very much, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. He also, um, when he bought my engagement ring, he discovered after the fact that the diamond was finished on our birthday, so that's a weird thing. <laughs> it's incredible. I just totally love that. I totally love that. It's funny that you and I both have Josh's, too. I know, right? People are going to be listening to this you know me like okay right have you basically just so far lived out the same life but just Sarah's living it quicker than you (laughs) oh that's oh my god well you have uh you do have years over me but I'm I've always been inspired by you as a kid like my cousin's so beautiful and so cool and just creative and healthy and amazing you know it's funny people don't see all the the shitty things that happen you know before I mean everybody has that but you know it's interesting because I you know a lot of how I live was inspired by your mom like you know your mom is maybe I should have your mom on the podcast she's like an interesting story in herself but like (laughs) you know the way she raised you was you were hugely inspirational to me and you know it's I know that that there have been very difficult times for you and and you know lots of aspects that we won't go into now but we are very connected and I love you very much. I really do. So could you just, before we leave, could you share with us what you would say to the younger version of yourself, which wasn't very long ago, if you had the chance to go back and say it? I think I would say, um, none of your problems matter. in the sense that um, the hurt and the the self-judgment or the the projection on how other people how you think other people think about you doesn't matter at all and I think as you know a younger person in school and secondary school and all that and primary school it's we haven't learned how long-term things play out so I think it is just a part of a developing brain to be more concerned with the right now rather than the long-term um, effects of, you know, good or bad of something. So I would definitely say to not worry about things that have no effect in a few years in the future. And I remember seeing a quote, uh, I don't know how old I was, maybe 16, but if it, if it doesn't cost you $5, if it doesn't affect five people, and if you won't be affected by it in five years it's just not worth it um and it's very corny and cheesy but you can take it you know how you will or use another analogy to describe that but that's uh I love that I love that what would you say what would I say to my younger self yeah wow don't flip it don't flip the microphone okay I would say that you are so deserving of being more than just a good girl and achieving 
at school is not the most important thing that you need to dig deep really you will you will I'm gonna say it I'm gonna speak to her as if it's happening it's happened because it has happened because this has been my experience you will know and discover who you truly are and you will build the most beautiful life as a result of it so don't worry anymore don't cry know that you are loved I don't want to cry hmm. thank you for sharing that and for having me here right now it's uh, it's always amazing speaking to you and I'm, I'm really grateful I can be uh in your podcast <laughs> I'm really grateful that you're here and you know like I hope to be doing it a long time and we can follow you on your journey as you get older beyond the age of 22 wow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, st- you're so wise even at 22 and you were so wise when you were 16 so I just I think you're amazing and thank you for being here oh, I'm glad you're in my family <laughs> I get to share blood cells with you I <laughs> all right Ro well we'll speak soon I hope yes speak soon thank you for that so there we have it that beautiful conversation that I had the pleasure of having with Sarah a young woman who I feel so connected to in so many ways I I find it fascinating how our stories mirror in many ways and and see how she is taking those lessons and and making them into something that helps her grow and develop herself as an individual in in ways that I have but she's doing it a lot earlier than I did and you know that is testament to Sarah as an individual but also I think it is a fascinating insight into the generations that are coming and the evolution that seems to be happening in terms of the consciousness especially uh, when children are given the opportunity to really explore who they are and are are given that kind of clean slate in many ways I mean I think Sarah would agree in, in me saying, you know, my, my aunt, you know, she breastfed Sarah until she was coming up to four. She um, always fed her incredibly nourishing foods, always organic. She kept her away from technology um, at, young, at a young age and, and really focused on supporting Sarah to be in her childhood and to be nourished obviously there were other issues involving her relationship with Sarah's father that definitely had a, a big impact on Sarah's life but I do think it's 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 really interesting when we take these children and we see these children and I'm speaking from experience of, of my own children now and we especially you know I see even more since we've been homeschooling them when they are given the opportunity to have be as as in their purest form as possible through the foods that they eat through the environment that they're in through the exposure they have to 
technology through the exposure they have to types of education it's it's just fascinating for me how how evolved they really are and and I'm very very excited to see what Sarah and her generation bring as as they go into full adulthood and and the children that follow after her so you can find Sarah and her incredible work you get to go and have a look now um, on Instagram um, it's at Sarah S-A-R-A-H um, sure so S-H-E-R-R so at Sarah S-A-R-A-H S-H-E-R-R and then her website is www.sarahshire spelt the same way dot net um her work is truly beautiful and i would really encourage you to go and check it out i will link it all up in the show notes but for now thank you for being here listening to these incredible stories of these incredible women who are stepping and standing fully in their sovereignty. Much love, until next week.